worship. You guys were doing such a good job today. Um, I'm going to just, you know, preach five sermons today and then we'll be out of here. Uh, today is going to be, thank you for that enthusiasm. I appreciate that. You get 5% off your tithe. Um, so we are going to be concluding our series, The Chance to Change. Last week, uh, we were talking about how to change our minds. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about how to change our hearts. And if anyone has an area of your life that you're struggling with this morning, I promise you today's word is going to be applicable. Um, I think it is very difficult to have heart change, um, and many times we are resistant uh, towards that heart change, um, and because our natural bent and desire is uh, usually rooted in, in sin or selfishness or busyness, uh, worldliness, and all these things. And, and um, today we're going to be looking at a parable, it's called the parable of the sower, where Jesus casts out four seeds. And most preachers would preach this as like uh, four different types of people. Um, I want to like elevate that a little bit. And I want you to consider more that these are probably four different types of phases that every compartment of your life will find. And so sometimes you'll be seed number one, maybe in your emotions. Maybe you'll be seed number two in your faith. Maybe you'll be seed number three in your marriage. And so it won't be that I'm trying to pigeonhole you into one place. I think you might find in the various areas of your life that you can be one of four at any given time in your life, in your different areas. And so I hope that I can help you identify it because I think the way that we become, right, self-aware and the way that we move towards transformation is to understand that I got heart problems, right? And all of us in here have some heart problems that we need to have healed, and God is the only one that can do that. And so as we get into today's message, I want you to just begin thinking, as you hear these different seeds, is this representative of an area in your life? And then if so, what must we do to change it? And what's on the line? We'll find when we get to lovely number four, that's our aim. That's our goal. That's the expectation and you're sitting in this room because someone made it to chair number four, okay? So I hope today that you would have that desire, and so I hope you'll be listening attentively. So Jesus told this parable, and basically he said this farmer went out, and he sowed different seed, and it fell on different types of ground, and then he's going to break down at the end of the passage exactly what that meant. Um, but we're going to start in the middle. After his telling of this parable, his disciples, um, the ones closest to him, like the apostles, they came up to him and they're like, hey, Jesus, yeah, you're going to have to, you're going to have to define that for us. Like we, we, uh, we don't get it. And I don't know, you ever come to church and you have that vibe, like, like pastor, like, you know, that's, that sounds great. You know, I don't know if you've ever been to a church, like, like try to speak in theological, uh, the, theological ease. Has anybody ever heard this? Like our thrice most illustrious heavenly father, we come before thee and offer up our sanctimonious praise. Anyway, whatever. Um, so, so, you know, sometimes whenever Jesus was talking, his disciples, can you imagine being around like God and like God is like dropping stuff that's eternal in its nature and you're sitting there trying to like grab a hold of stuff, right? Like that, it'd be tough. And so they went to Jesus and they're like, hey, like, uh, what were you talking about right there? You know, if you, uh, you give me the cliff notes, like, you know, not, I'm not asking for me, I'm asking for a friend. And so Jesus said to them, this is actually a fulfillment of a prophecy. And we're going to find out 
when you have heart problems, exactly what it leads to. It says, indeed, um, in their case, Jesus is speaking to the crowd when he was telling them this story, why didn't they understand? He said, Isaiah, uh, the word of Isaiah is fulfilled. So if you don't know Isaiah, he's an Old Testament prophet. This is several hundred years before Jesus. And he's like, this is a prophecy that's being fulfilled. He said, listen to what Isaiah said about a future generation who was hard-hearted towards God. He says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And that word dull there means calloused. I want you to just tuck that away, and we'll come back to that in just a moment. But it's obviously possible for all of us to have areas of our life where our heart is calloused. We are not sensitive to one area, a person. We might not be sensitive to the people we work with. But it would be even worse if we weren't even sensitive to what God has to say. He says, and with their ears, they can barely hear. And their eyes, they have closed. Lest, okay, turning point, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. So first thing we need to understand as a premise before we get to the four seeds is that heart problems lead to health problems, right? And that's in the natural realm, self-evident, right? You got a bad ticker, it affects a lot of areas of your life. In our spiritual lives, this is the same thing is absolute in its truthfulness, is that when we have heart problems, we're going to have health problems. He says specifically, their heart was affecting their ability to see and their ability to hear. And he says their heart, because it was calloused, it wasn't feeling what it should feel. It was affecting their ability to intake information. And so as we apply that to our own lives, we have to start asking ourselves, have we become hard hearted. Is it possible that you're sitting in this room and as a result of your heart condition, you're unable to hear what God has to say? The whole rest of this sermon, we're going to be talking about different ways that we can look at the heart, different areas that we struggle with in our heart. But what's sad is I want to be able to give God's word to you. I want you to be able to receive it. But Jesus was saying that there was a group of people because of their heart condition that even God himself, like if Jesus was on this stage right now and he was trying to get a message to you and if your heart isn't ready to receive it, that not even Jesus could make you have a change of heart. That at some juncture, you have to want it for yourself. Has anyone in here, by show of hands, um, ever talked to someone and you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, that what you were saying was making no impact whatsoever. By show of hands, by show of hands. And I'm not talking about this was controversial like that last blown call when they called holding. Was it a hold? Yes, it was a hold. But do you call that? Do you call that on the last drive of the Super Bowl? No, you don't call that. Anyway, I digress. Sometimes you're trying to tell someone who's dating a loser right? And you're looking at them right in the eye. You're like, this is a bad decision. And there's no one that's in disagreement that this is a bad decision. But I love him. Oh. But I love her. 
I once heard a comedian say, you know, I, yeah, Karen, it's easy to break up, but I can't just break up. My CDs are in his truck, you know? It's like we grasp at straws, you know, just like reasons why we need to hold on to a terrible relationship. Anyway, I just want you to start thinking like God wants to give you heart change. He wants to. Like there's not a person on the planet that God is not trying to save. He's not trying to get the prodigal to turn around. Every single soul on the planet, God is fishing for and trying to catch. However, until you want it, even the God of all creation is powerless to force you to change. He's given you that option, just like Adam and Eve in the garden. You have to choose it for yourself. Now, my little pastor heart preaches with all the passion that I have every week because I want it. I want it for you. I want it for you so bad. But I can't want it enough for it to change your heart. So why is it important when you come into church on Sunday to have the right heart? And the right heart is a ready heart. It's because God's word is going forth. And if you aren't ready to receive it, man, we're going to see in seed number one, there's so many lost opportunities. So as we go through this morning's message, I want you to know that here's the hope. We are all one heart turn away from healing. He said, lest you hear with your ears and see with your eyes, feel with your heart, and I'll heal you. He said, even though you've been terrible, even though you've been wandering, even though you've done uh, horrible sins, he goes, if you would just want it, if you would just seek it, then you would find it. So some of you believe the myth that you are so far away from God that it can never be right. It can never be healed. And there couldn't be a greater lie that has been perpetuated to you than God doesn't love you or God doesn't want you and that you've gone too far to turn it around now. That is just a myth that has been put in your mind by the enemy. And I hope today that we would dispel it and that for someone sitting in here that needs a heart change, that needs to be transformed, that today you would just receive God's word and let God's word do the work. Are you guys ready? Let's go. All right. Oh my God. Let's try. Are you guys ready? Oh my, oh my. I thought, I thought I was preaching to some people that were asleep for a second. All right. And so here is the first seed as we go through this process. He said, hear the parable of the sower. Uh, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was the one that was sown along the path. And so this is going to be seed number one. Uh, now, I know that I have, you know, critics, critics and literalists that you're going to say, like, this isn't a seed, this is a sunflower, right? I get it, okay? Just go along with the analogy here, okay? It's like pictorial in nature, all right? So for all my science critics in here, they're like, that's not a seed. And then, like, some of you are going to be like, oh, that's a, a sunflower, that's a weed, really, right? That's not even, like, something produced. Okay, just shut up and calm down, okay? 
For our purposes, I'm a farmer and this is a seed and you will believe it from this point forward, okay? And so he says that this farmer went out and he sowed the seeds and the first one, it fell on the path. Like it didn't even, it didn't even make it to the soil. It didn't even make it to the pot. And so he was going out and he was like wanting this production, right? And he said, but again, if, if the soil represents our heart, he's like, there's nothing even to work with. And so like, it's just like, whoop, like, it's like, do you guys think if I plant a seed on this tile stage, that if we came back and we prayed for that seed as much as we could possibly pray for it, that if it's not in soil, that it would miraculously germinate. Does anybody believe in here that's possible? I'm going to tell you right now, it's impossible, okay? The seed cannot produce when it's not in the soil. It can't do it. So if the seed is God's word and the heart is the soil and the seed never makes it into the soil, what does it say? It says the enemy comes and takes it, snatches it away. So whenever we look at that, we're going to put it on the screen. Without reception of the seed, the word, the chance for change is ruined. Think about that. Like, that word was ready for you. And some of you, you might have walked in here today, and you might think it's happenstance. It's coincidence. Oh, someone invited you, and I'm just going to humor them and go to their little church. Or maybe you haven't been in a while, and like, ah, we need to get back in there. And it's just like, you know, just another Sunday, though. It's not something special. God doesn't have anything cooked up. Dude, God is preparing a three-course meal for you every week. You just got to be ready to receive it. Whenever we are not ready, whenever our hearts are hardened, it says that this opportunity is ruined. It says that the potential is stolen from the enemy. When you walk in unprepared and, and unready to receive God's word into your life, I want you to think about that. That when you're hard-hearted, it's like that seed. This is miraculous stuff. This is transformative stuff. This is eternal stuff. This is God Almighty speaking to you personally. And when your heart's not ready, it just falls to the ground. And it says the enemy comes and takes away what could have been a truth that potentially transformed your life forever. Wouldn't that be crazy if we were haphazard with our hearts when it comes to God's word? If we could have had a truth that turned around our marriage, that turned around our child, turned around our finance, turned around our passion, Whatever it was, God's word has the ability to do all things. But if our heart's not ready, the enemy takes that potential. Man, there's nothing worse than lost potential. It's almost like God's word is trying to transform us the way that a father would a child and I don't know if you've ever tried to teach your child how to do something. Has anyone in here like ever had this moment? Like, and maybe if you're a coach, it's the same way. Have you ever had someone that could swear they're doing it the right way when it is very clear that they are doing it the wrong way? Has anyone ever like, like, you know, throwing a football or swinging a bat? Have you ever seen someone that's like, like a golf swing? I've seen some golf swings, right? And it, like it, like Charles Barkley golf swing. I mean, it, it has a, like a pause and then like a, like a, like three part. Anyway, craziness. And when you talk to them, they believe like 
they believe what they're doing is normal. And I remember trying to convince my children, like, you are going to be embarrassed. Like, you are not throwing the ball correctly. It's like a, you know, and they're like, no, it feels right, Dad. And I'm like, what do we, I don't, what do we, no. And I think God is trying to give you a word, and I think so many people are like, you know, no, no, I, I'm doing it right. <laughs> I'm doing it right. And I just want to say, man, if God's word is coming into your life and you're resisting it, then you have to ask yourself, like, if you're not losing that wrestling match with God's word, there's a problem because pride is what's resisting God's word. And you can either be broken before God or you can be broken by God. And I'm telling you, you want to choose the first because the last one you won't have a say in. And so I encourage you this morning to be receptive to his word, that humble yourself before God so that the seed can fall on good soil. Number two, it says, as for the one that was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises, on account of the word, immediately he falls away. This is going to be our number two seed. Now, doesn't it look pretty? Doesn't it look pretty? I think, I think most of our, our, our Frisconian North Dallas crowd is going to be right here in two and three, all right? So I encourage you to, to listen up, okay? And so this one on the outside, it looks so pretty. I mean, like, there is nothing wrong with this plant, right? It's perfectly healthy because you're looking at the outside. You're looking at what you can see. Uh, Eastern philosopher said this, the candle that burns twice as bright burns half as long. The candle that burns twice as bright burns half as long. Have you ever, have you ever known a person like this? They are there's a, there's a one personality type that in particular is bent towards being a great starter, okay? A great starter. I mean, enthusiastic, okay? But there's a difference between enthusiasm and endurance, right? Has anybody ever learned that lesson the hard way? Because someone was like, yeah, yeah, put me in. Ah, I want to do it. I want to do it. Me, 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 me. And then you pick them. And then like, you're like a week later, like, Where, where'd you go? Like, where you at? You know? And so as preachers, we're constantly preaching to people, and there's people that come in, and number two happens frequently. They're like, oh, Pastor Tim, yes, uh, we love it. We love, Genesis Metro is the best church. They said this at the last five churches they were at, too. Anyway, you're the best preacher. You know, it's the best, the best worship. I mean, those people in the parking lot. I mean, even your coffee. Coffee's amazing. Those people out there, they can make a coffee. And so, like, they're so enthusiastic. And they're like, uh, you know, a lot of times they only want to bypass serving, and they want to go right into leadership. Like, hey, if you, need, if you need me to, like, you know, be on your strategical planning, I mean, if you want me to, like, run your finance, I mean, like, whatever you want. I was like, no, 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 no. I've learned, I've learned to be weary of people who want to bypass serving. I've, I've learned to be weary because they want leadership, but they don't want to serve, and they don't realize that serving is leadership to Jesus. It's like you won't pick up the trash, right? You won't pick up the, if you won't pick up the trash, then you probably wouldn't be a great life group leader. 
You say, well, what are you talking about, Ted? Picking up trash. Okay, well, I'll put it to you a different way. Would you wash someone's feet, right? Because that's what Jesus did. Are you, would you be like, no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, I said I want to help, but like, not, <laughs> not like that. And it says that because they don't have a root, right? What is the result of that? They have no resolve. It says when tribulation or persecution comes, they quickly fall away. So if we were to look below the surface here, right, I've put a couple of locks. Now, again, the critic is like, there's no locks. In yeah, okay, just calm down, all right? It's representative, all right? It's analogous, all right? It's saying that below the surface, the root doesn't exist, and you're locked up beneath the surface. You come in here with your Frisco smile, like, how are things going? Oh, everything's great. Everything's great. Everything's not great. Everything's not great. The marriage isn't great. The kids aren't great. The job isn't great. But you're going to fake it. And on the outside, oh, man, you got it together. You look great. You look sharp. The outfit is on point. Yes. But you know, what I see is different than what God sees. See, God sees below the surface. And it says that you love God right up until it costs you something. And when it begins to cost you something, your mentality is quickly, count me out. So let me ask you a question and make it real easy for you. When's the last time you read God's word and in order to obey it, it was gonna cost you something? When's the last time that you paid that price? In the last week, what did God's word cost you? Because imagine for all the young people in here, and not just young people, but socialites, imagine sometimes you can't, sometimes you can't do those things. Sometimes you can't go those places. Because you know that if you put yourself in that situation, it's going to lead to places that you don't need to be in. It's going to lead to interactions that are unhealthy, that might put greater things and God things in jeopardy as a result of you interacting that way. So by God's word, you say, I gotta sacrifice that. Or sometimes it's emotions. Sometimes we, we give in to these emotions, right? And then God's word hammers our emotions. And when's the last time you lost that wrestling match where God's word says, love covers a multitude of sins, but you are scoreboarding every day with every relationship and constantly finding fault in people? See, when's the last time you lost that? If the Bible says, forgive them, and not only seven times, but 70 times seven, which was just infinity, if they seek it and repent, that you have to forgive them. But you're like, no, I must hold this grudge. <laughs> I've had this grudge for so long, I just, it's just part of me, you know? You see, God's word is constantly coming in conflict with us. It's our nature. Our nature is sinful. And then his nature is holy. So when sinfulness, holiness, come in contact with one another, something has to give. He said this person, as soon as it gets hard, difficulty becomes defeat. Because they walk away, because they love God. They're like, yes, I want it. And then it's like, um, if, you ever, if you ever met someone, like if you were... Let's just put it in a dating analogy. It always works so well. All right, let's, let's say like you meet someone and they're like, yeah, yeah, let's get together, blah, blah, blah. You know, okay. And you're like, all right, let's, well, let's, let's put a date on it, okay? 
Like, uh, okay, how about next Friday? Well, next Friday, you know, I'm out of town. So, you know, and okay, well, what about the, what about the next Friday? Well, next Friday, you know, I got work thing. Okay. Okay. How about, Pastor Tim, we want to, we want to. Okay. How about next Sunday? Next Sunday, you can like, you know, greet at the door. You know, well, you know, we got a trip to Aspen, you know, and blah, 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 blah. okay. Okay. Well, how about uh, the Sunday after that? Oh, well, you know, we got a kid's tournament. How about well, at some juncture, if you were trying to get a date with someone who said they were interested, but they ultimately don't have any time, would you at some juncture begin to think that they really don't want to be in a relationship with you? They really don't want to go on a date with you? Would you be picking up on some not-so-subtle clues that what they're saying is not what they mean? Is it possible that you love God? Look at your plant. You love Him. But just below the surface, you love him right up until he asks something of you, and it costs you something. And then you say, well, I don't love him that much. And God's like, well, let's get it on the calendar. You know, when are you going to start serving? When are you going to start giving? When are you going to start sharing me, the light of the world, with the people around you that are doomed in darkness? When are you going to do that? At some juncture, we have to pay the price if we're going to have heart change. Number three. It says, as for the seed that was sown among thorns, okay? This is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world, ooh, and the deceitfulness of riches, hmm, choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Choking hazards, choking hazards, choking hazards. Has anyone here ever choked before? Anybody? I almost died in my kitchen one night. It was a sad tale, sad tale. I was taking this antibiotic, and I feel like this is a lawsuit waiting to happen. So they have these plastic pellets that are like silicone, like the, the preservative inside the pills, and they're white and roughly the same exact size of the pills. As it turns out, if you're in the dark and you're not want to turn on the light, you're in a hurry, and you throw one back, and then you throw the water in, it fits perfectly into your windpipe. And I don't even know anatomically if windpipe is correct, but I do know that I started choking to death, right? Like to death. And Carrie was upstairs. Silas was in bed. Titus was gone because he's always gone. Jordan had already moved out. And so I was there locked in a battle to the death, choking. I've never choked before in my life. You know, and I'm having this thought process, like, do I try to run upstairs to get Carrie? Because I can't yell, you know, like, ah, ah, you know, or do I try to Heimlich myself, right? Which sounds like the beginning of a good joke, but I don't know if you've ever tried to Heimlich yourself, but you got to throw yourself on a chair. And so at this juncture, I could feel myself like trying to aspirate to get this out. And it was like, I had seconds, seconds, right? Before old Tim was going to be passed out on the ground. And I think Ben and Sarah came by a little while. They would have found Tim just dead in the floor. Like, how did this happen? How did this? Let's do an autopsy. Oh, plastic pellet. Anyway, I threw myself on this chair and, you know, out it came. And I was like, oh my gosh. I just almost died, right? Has he ever had that feeling? Like, like you almost in a car accident? You're like, I could have just died right there. I want you to think about this. Choking hazards. Choking hazards. It says here is seed number three, right? It's, it's like, can you even see? Can y'all see? Trust me. If I pull it back, right? If I, well, you know what? No, you wouldn't be able to do it. Okay, let me do it like this. 
All right, look, can you see it now? Can y'all see it over there? Can y'all see it? Everybody see it? Oh yeah, it's, it's in there. And this is the way some people, their faith is. They're like, oh, trust me. <laughs> I love Jesus. He's in there. He's in there. No, no one else can see the Jesus in you. And, and, and no one can see the Jesus at work. No one can see the Jesus in your house. You know, no one can see the Jesus in your marriage. No one can see the Jesus in your parenting. But you just say, but I trust me. I love him. I love him. He said, this is a person over here. The problem was beneath the surface, right? Over here, it's the stuff you're letting in above the surface. It's choking out. Imagine that sunflower is the light of the world. And when you allow these things in here, the darkness begins to envelop the light. Jesus once said that whenever you light a candle, you don't put it under a bushel. No, you put it on a lampstand so that the whole world can see. He says, as a matter of fact, the eye is the light to the soul. And if the light in you, once you have accepted Christ, has become darkness, how great is that darkness? That this light was intended to shine. Now, he said the choking hazards, okay, what are the things that are causing the problems? He said two things. He said the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. All right? Cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. He says whenever you get this going on, whenever you're allowing all these other things into your life, he said that that seed is never going to reproduce. It's never going to have the chance to multiply. Cares of the world. All the things that we prioritize in our lives are the cares of the world. It's like, well, I got to go here. I got to go there. If you look at your schedule, could Jesus make it on the docket on your daily schedule? And don't tell me you don't have time. I don't think you're going to go before God someday and it's like, I didn't have time. Because I could pull out your phone right now and I can see where your time is spent. Come on. Two hours scrolling TikToks for me. It's fishing. <laughs> I'm watching fishing. I'm like, I want to learn how to tie a new knot. Mm, hour. And oddly, oddly, I like little animal TikToks where the cat's like chasing the laser or the dog is running and hits the ice and slides and then falls in the snow. I don't know why. Like that could be 20 minutes easy, right? Mm. Now, please, those of you that have my number, don't start sending me this crap, okay? It's <laughs> like, oh, Pastor Tim said he liked it. No, I, I, I want to find it on my own, please. But if you're not careful and you get your kids involved in so many things that are competing with that light, like their chance to have heart transformation is directly proportionate and corollary to being in proximity to God's word. But if they got to fight through the landmines that you're putting in place, you're giving in to 30 practices. They don't have to have 30 practices. They don't have to have four teams. Athletics is great until it becomes your God. The cares of the world. You don't need 15 subscription services. You don't need that. 
When you think about it, you know, God's Word is pushing you towards sacrifice. And you don't have any money left to tithe, but you got money for Starbucks and Netflix. This money that could produce that seed when we get over there, it's being consumed and choked out by the things that you're letting in. It said the cares of the world are what? The deceitfulness of riches. Now, let me be very clear. Some pastors go terribly awry on this. Old school is like money is the devil. The Bible says money is the root of all evil. Is that what it says? What does it say? The love of money. Money has no moral value. Did you know that? Just like your, your phone, your tablet, your computer, the internet. The internet is not moral. It's, not, it's amoral. It's neither moral or immoral. But what you do with it, right? What you do with it affects your heart. Whenever you allow money to deceive you, I just want to take most people. Most people in here were not born with money, all right? So at some juncture, most people in here can relate to being what we would now feel like was broke. By show of hands, has anybody ever felt? Okay. Whenever you were broke, you probably had a moment where you were like, God, because broke people are very religious. God, I, I need you. I need you. Please help me, right? And then most people that live in this area, if we're honest, God has given you more than you ever imagined growing up you would ever have. But some of us, once we have it, unfortunately, it begins to have us. And now when you're really looking at your life, this is it. That God that you prayed to gave you exactly what you prayed for. And now you've allowed all these other things to compete with the God that gave it to you. And now you've Worship the creation more than the creator, and no one can see the light that's in you. I just want to encourage you. Think about that. Think about that. I'll give my offering speech in a little while. I'll let you think about that. <laughs> and here's the last one. You know, here's the producer. Now, this is the one, and this is the one that makes it all worth it. When you look at this one, I mean, that is pretty, right? You see, at one juncture, there was one and then it multiplied into several. When you look at this passage, it says the one that falls on good soil, right, is the one who receives the word, and then some produce 100, some produce 60, some produce 30, but it's all exponential. God expects production. As a matter of fact, the promise is when you are connected to the vine, you will produce, and apart from the vine, it says you can do nothing. So as preachers, we have to believe in the law of the harvest. And I'm going to tell you that this actually applies across the board, that in your secular world, if you are a boss or an owner of a company or you run T-ball, okay, this law applies, okay? You are going to go through more bad 
then you are good, okay? This is 75% failure rate. Do you understand that? So imagine you're up here and you're a preacher and you're like, man, every time I preach, there's going to be like, everybody's going to get saved, right? Everybody's going to put their hand up, high five Jesus. They're going to sing with abandon. Their hearts are going to be one with God. And then you look out and you're like, no, that is, that is not, that is not what's going to happen. It'd be like a person that's in sales. Anybody in sales in the room, right? Like if, if you're a salesperson and you think every phone call, they're going to be like, yeah, I've just been waiting here. I got a million dollars in capital, and I've just been waiting on someone to call, and I don't even need your service, but I just like you so much that I'll give you the money. No, you're going to hear no, 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 and you have to become immune to the word no, because you know if you plow the ground far enough, you're going to get to the one, and that that one is going to make all of the losses worth it. When it comes to preaching, I preach for that one every week every week. And I know, I know that better than 50%, because we're a little bit better than average, are going to walk in here any given week and not care about a word that I say, because their hearts were not prepared. But if everyone in here besides one didn't care, but I could hit that one, I could catch that one, I could capture that one with the word that went out, on the good ground. Man, over 20 years, when Carrie and I moved here and planted this church, I've gone through thousands of these just to get to those. And I'm gonna tell you, every single one of those is worth it. And the reason why you're sitting in here today is because one of those turned into two, turned into three. It takes the right heart the right heart is a ready heart, a heart that's ready to receive, eyes that are ready to see what God's word has to say, ears that are willing to hear what God says about it, and then course correct, course correct. When God's word is different than my will, I must change. Because the reality is for all these three, God's word is optional. And I would say for most Christians that walk this earth, God's word is optional. If you're going to become a believer who fully follows after Christ, can I suggest something to you? God's word should not be optional. It should be final. And how you live must be based on what he says. And when he says something different than how you live, then you must change. And so I want to encourage you I want your life to get to that. I want your marriage to be flourishing. I want your parenting to be flourishing. I want your profession to be something you can be passionate about, not to gain money, because that money can have this influence if it's used the right way. That's why, that's why. That's what's available to you today. What did we start with? Your one heart turn away from God healing. So if you walked in here numb, hurting or hardened, if you would turn your heart towards Jesus this morning, I promise you he would heal it. And the thing you've been trying to find in this world, you'll find in one prayer with Jesus.
Let's pray. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that I would ask God that they would receive the word this morning. For those that aren't feeling like they're strong enough, God, we would receive the word that our strength is made perfect in weakness when we humbly ask and submit to your word. For those that are struggling with a spirit that is, willing, is unwilling to forgive others, God, I pray that we would receive your mercy. For those that are struggling with guilt, I pray, God, that they would receive the word that says that when we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive, that he casts our sin into the sea of forgetfulness and remembers it no more, that the guilt that you are bearing is not from God, but it is from you self-manufacturing and self-sabotaging yourself over and over again to render you ineffective. Can we bury it today in grace and never let it rise again? Wouldn't that be healing for someone in this room? Some of you have scars and you have wounds from past relationships and you're not allowing God's Word to come into your heart and heal it, and so you're harboring, you're harboring this grudge and this bitterness. And I'm going to tell you this right now, it is not affecting them at all. Do you know who it's affecting? It's affecting you. You are punishing people in your present because of a mistake or a hurt, or a wrong that was done to you in your past. I'm not saying what they did was right. I'm saying that you need freedom from it. I'm saying that it's not fair to the people right now to have to jump over all the hurdles of people's past mistakes, that you aren't letting people in, maybe not even God, because of the hurts that you have. Wouldn't that be incredible if you prayed to God today and said, God, I want freedom from this, and that he began to heal your heart immediately? That's what's available for those that would believe. The, today, the, the word is going out. I hope your heart is ready for it. Would you stand and worship with us?